Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. In Scripture, it says that Stephen looked up to heaven and he saw God, and he saw Jesus standing next to his father, looking at him, which was confirmation that in this moment when Stephen is dying, he saw Jesus. And that was exactly what I needed to hear so that I could know that when whatever was happening to Molly, that she knew that he was with her. And that in an instant, from the moment she was alive to the moment she died, she was in the arms of Jesus. And and that's what I carried with me to help quiet the fears that would come up in my mind. She wasn't alone. He was with her in that moment, and she has been with him ever since that moment. Doxology Bible Church is proud to present EverStory, launching wherever you listen to podcasts on June 6th. EverStory is a weekly, seasonal podcast featuring Christ-centered stories of hope and transformation, told by people just like you. No chit-chat, just raw, powerful stories. Stories inspire us to connect with each other in real, tangible ways. With stories, we're able to glorify a God who relentlessly pursues us. Mark 16:15 tells us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Stories embody who we are as Christians. Without them, Paul's letters would have never been shared. Without stories, a person with Christ in their heart might never find the courage to bring the word to their neighbor. Without stories, the Great Commission never occurs. Check in with us often as we introduce stories about the way Jesus' radical love is moving in truly awesome ways. Find EverStory wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow Doxology Bible Church on Facebook or Instagram at Doxology Bible. Want to share your story or know someone who might? Send us an email to stories at doxology.church. Because everyone has a story. Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. It's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. Good morning. Now, don't adjust your screens. No, Chris did not gain 50 pounds and grow a beard over the past two weeks. I'm just another bald guy here at the church. Uh, Like he said, my name is Brian. And my family have been attending doxology now for the past seven years. Well, this morning, we're wrapping up a series called Beyond Awkward, where we're trying to answer the question, what do we do when talking about Jesus is outside of our comfort zone? Well, to start off this morning, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had an I wish you were here moment? A a moment where you experienced something great and you wanted someone else you know to experience it with you? 
Like when our son, Cooper, took his first steps. I mean, I was there. I got to see it and experience it and celebrate it. It was amazing. But it wasn't as great as it could have been because my wife wasn't there to experience it with me. Uh, She was gone at a work retreat. She missed it. But at least she got to hear about it for me. Or the time I shot my first huge buck. I mean, I loved a deer hunt. So we're talking like top five moment of my life here. I mean, right up there with the birth of my children. I mean, depends on which day, you know, which one I like more. It was awesome. But it would have been even better if my best friend Stephen would have been there to celebrate it with me. He, he missed it. But I promise you, he got to hear about it for me. You know, I would love to watch the Cowboys win a Super Bowl with my son. The last time it happened, I was 15. He's never experienced it. I'm starting to wonder if he ever will. So he has no choice but to hear about it for me. You know, wish you were there moments, milestones, accomplishments, experiences in life that we want people we love to experience too. But they weren't there. They missed it. And the only chance they get to experience it is if they hear about it from us. You know, I've also had several wish you were here moments in this very building. I've sat in one of those chairs and I've listened to Chris or Jay or one of our pastors tell the story of what Jesus has done for us. How we've all sinned and the penalty for that sin is to be separated from God. But Jesus paid that penalty for us through his death and resurrection. And apart from any good works of our own, he offers us the chance to be reunited with God by placing our trust in Jesus to forgive us of our sins. And I've, as I've sat and listened to these messages, pictures of friends, of family members, of neighbors have popped into my mind. And I've thought to myself, man, I, I wish they were here. But they weren't. They missed it. And the only chance they had to experience it was to hear about it from me. But unfortunately, a lot of times, they don't hear anything from me. Whether it was fear or laziness or just indifference, you know, more times than I'd like to admit, I I lack the confidence and sense of urgency I need to push through the awkwardness and share with the people I love the story of what Jesus has done for them. Is that true for anyone else or is that just something I struggle with? And do you ever feel like you don't know enough to talk about issues of faith with other people? Have you ever felt that, that urge to talk about Jesus with someone else? but you're just not sure how to get the conversation started. Does the concern of offending someone ever cause you pause? Or like me, do you ever just chicken out? Does pushing through those awkward moments ever feel like just a little bit too much? Well, hey, if that's you, I have some good news for you. What if I told you that everything you needed to effectively and gracefully and confidently communicate your faith in Jesus to other people you already possess. In fact, what if it was nothing more than a simple shift of perspective that every single one of us can make? If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up or power them up to Mark chapter 2. This morning, we're going to examine the lives of four men and their attempt to bring their friend to Jesus. And as we watch these four men this morning, they're going to highlight a mindset that we can all adopt that will enable us to effectively and gracefully and confidently communicate Jesus to the people in our lives. Hey, before we do that, though, here's why this is important. Okay, Here's why this is such a big deal. You know, the people that you you wish they were here, 
to hear about Jesus? What if they're never going to be here? You know, there are people in your life, people you live near, people you work with, who are never going to step foot in a church. They're never going to watch a sermon online. They are not interested in hearing about Jesus or discussing issues of faith with a stranger. But they would be willing to talk to you. What if God uniquely put these people in your life because he wants them to hear about his son from you? So how do we do it? Well, what mindset do we have to embrace in order to bring other people to Jesus? Hey, let's find out. As we pick up their story, uh, Jesus has returned to his hometown, and as usual, uh, he starts to grow, draw a crowd. Mark chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Okay, now there was, there was no social distancing going on in this story right here, okay? Man, people were crammed inside of this house to hear Jesus preach. In fact, there were so many people gathered outside the house that you couldn't, you couldn't even get to the door. Hey, well, let's keep reading. And Mark is going to introduce us to a, a particular group of men in this crowd. Verse 3. It says, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So at this point in Jesus' life and ministry, he's begun to earn a little bit of a reputation um, as a miracle worker. You know, he's healed the sick and demon-possessed. He's cured leprosy. So when this man who was paralyzed hears that Jesus has come to town, I mean, this could be his chance. You know, maybe Jesus could do the same thing for him. He's got a little problem. How's he going to get there? He's paralyzed. He can't walk. This man does not have the ability to get to Jesus on his own. Now, this man, he, he doesn't have working legs, but he actually has something even better. You see, he had people in his life who cared. I, I'm sure some of them were family. I'm sure some of them were his neighbors. But whoever they were, he had four men who loved him enough to put him on a stretcher and carry him to Jesus. They, they had a heart to care. These men had a heart to care for their friend. But that's not all they had. Uh, verse 4 says, Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Did you catch that? I mean, they literally ripped the roof off another person's house in order to get their friend to Jesus. Now, as these four men got down on their knees and started to dig, I'd get on my knees, but I might not be able to get back up. So I, I, I'm sure people heard them. They, they definitely would have noticed the dirt starting to fall from the ceiling. I, I'm sure at, at some point people, they went up to the roof to investigate what was going on. And I'm sure they tried to stop them. You know, maybe they came up to these four men and told them, hey, hey, what you're doing here? This isn't socially acceptable behavior. You know, you can't dig a hole in someone else's roof. I'm telling you, the family who owns this house is going to be incredibly offended by what you're doing. You're going to ruin your relationship with them. Or, hey, look, look at all the people out here. I mean, everybody's watching you. They're going to think you guys are crazy. They're going to label you as fanatics. You need to think about your reputations here. Or, hey, 
what if you do all this work to get this man to Jesus? But he says no. I mean, wouldn't that be embarrassing? I mean, you're really risking rejection here. You know, I picture these four men huddling together and discussing everything they just heard. They go back to the people who are trying to stop them and they say, hey, listen, we understand what you're saying. We get it. You know, all of those risks you mentioned, I mean, we know they're real. But what you don't understand is this. You see, this, this man on this stretcher right here, this is my dad. This is my brother. This is my neighbor. This is my coworker that I sit, sit next to every day. I, I know there's a risk, but I'm also sure his only hope is, is this guy named Jesus. We at least have to try. He, he's worth the risk for us. So would you kindly just step aside so we can dig this hole. You see, not only do these men have a heart to care, but they also had the courage to try. They decided their friend was worth a personal risk to themselves. That takes courage. Um, Eddie Rickenbacker was the most decorated fighter pilot in all of World War II. During the war, Rickenbacker logged 300 combat hours, which was the most of any American pilot. He survived 134 aerial encounters with the enemy and claimed 26 kills. At one point during the war, he survived a plane crash and 22 days stranded on a raft in the Pacific Ocean. He was awarded eight Distinguished Service Crosses, the French Legion of Honor, and the highest honor an American soldier can receive, the Congressional Medal of Honor. I mean, this guy was a man. Well, in the interview he gave after the war, Rickenbacker was asked about his time in combat. Specifically, he was asked where he got his courage from, how he was able to do all the things he did without being afraid. Well, Rickenbacker answered their question, but his answer, it kind of surprised him. He answered by saying, well, I, I was afraid. You know, when I would climb into that plane to head into battle, as I was stranded on that raft in the ocean, I, I was afraid. Listen to this. He says, but courage is doing what you're afraid to do. There can be no courage unless you're scared. Guys, listen, I get it. Pushing into awkward moments and stepping out to share our faith, it's scary. It's scary because there are real risks involved. You will risk your reputation. You will risk some relationships. You will risk rejection. It's It's inevitable. But if we want the people we love to come to know Jesus, they have to be worth the risk. We have to do what we're afraid to do. We have to have the courage to try. Hey, let's pick up with the story of these men. And they're going to show us why taking these steps of courage is worth it. Verse 5 says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I'm sure when Jesus, he heard Jesus say this, he was a little confused. You know, he didn't necessarily come to get his sins forgiven. He just wanted to walk. Well, he, isn't, he wasn't the only one confused by Jesus' statement. Verse 6 says, Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, 
thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? See, these religious leaders are angry because Jesus says he can forgive sins. So Jesus responds. He says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. Now, now pay attention here because this, this next verse, it's the whole point Jesus is trying to make. It says, but I want you to know, I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Hey, so what's, what, what's happening here? Well, well, Jesus, he heals this man physically to prove that he also has the authority to heal him spiritually. It's kind of like this. You know, I, I could put a little sticker on the back of my car with the numbers 26.2 on it. You know, I could claim to the whole world that I've run a marathon, and it would only cost me two bucks. I checked on Amazon. However, if you went out and ran with me, it would be pretty obvious after about half a mile that I do not have the ability to back up that claim. That's why Jesus healed this man. He healed this paralyzed man as a way to back up his claim that he could forgive his sins. He did the miracle they could see so they would know that he also had the authority to do the one that they couldn't see. He wanted everyone to be absolutely certain that he had full authority to forgive people's sins. But why? Why did he desperately want to get this point across? Well, here's a, a recent example from my life that kind of illustrates why. Uh, I am a COVID survivor. Uh, about a month ago, I tested positive for COVID. Don't worry, I'm, I'm all clear now. Now, I, I know this is a very serious disease. It's actually killing a lot of people. But for me personally... I was very fortunate, and I had a very mild case. Um, I basically just sat at my home for two weeks and ate ice cream. You know, apparently the, the cure for COVID is Bluebell, uh, from, from my experience. Now, during my quarantine, I was feeling pretty good, so I, I wanted to be around my family. You know, I wanted to hug my kids. I, I thought my wife and I should be able to sleep in the same bed. Ashley, my wife, however, she had a, a very different perspective. You see, she knew that I had something wrong with me. I had a disease that she didn't want to be around. And until that disease was dealt with, until I received negative tests, I was sleeping alone. You know, she loved me, but I was infected with something that required us to be separate from each other. Before we could be reunited, something had to be done about my disease. The same is true with us and God. Our sin separates us from God. And because of that, Every person's greatest need is to have their sins forgiven. Listen, people, people don't go to hell because of sin. We've all sinned. People go to hell because of unforgiven sin. The, the people in our lives that don't know Jesus, they don't need to get better. They don't need to improve. They need to get forgiven. Guys, the people we love the most, Jesus has the authority to give them what they need the most. He can forgive their sins. But do we care and will we try? Hey, here's the point. A heart 
to care compels, compels the courage to try. The, the people we love the most, Jesus has the authority to give them what they need to most. But if we're going to bring our loved ones to Jesus, we have to care and we have to have courage. A heart to care compels the courage to try. You know, one of the things I love about being a member here at Doxology is the training and encouragement I receive to engage with others regarding the story of what Jesus has done in my life. One of the ways our church encourages us to do that is through the acronym BLESS. Uh, Begin with prayer, listen, eat a meal, serve, and then share. Now, with most of these, I naturally know how to take a first step. Begin with prayer. I, I can pray for people that God has put in my life. I can shut my mouth for a few moments and listen. I mean, I clearly know how to eat. And I can serve others. I may not always do it, but, but at least I know how. But how do, how do I take a first step towards sharing with someone how through his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins. And if they put their trust in him to do so, he will forgive their sins and reconcile them, bring them back to God. Well, to help you take that step and verbally share your faith with others, I want you to try something this week, okay? I got a little assignment for you. I want you to pick a line and use it every time. Pick a line and use it every time. Don't overthink it. Just pick a line use it every time. Now, for example, the line I've been using lately to transition to sharing my story is simply asking the question, hey, what role would you say faith plays in that for you? You know, I was at my son's flag football game a few months ago talking to a dad. Uh, We got to talking about some of the fears he had about raising his teenage daughter in in this culture. As I was listening, I just asked, as you think through all this, what role would you say faith plays in that for you? He started to share, and that opened up an opportunity for, for me to share my story. Or one day at the gym, I was talking to a guy who was going through a divorce. We were talking about the issues that, that went along with it. And, and I had a chance to share my line. Hey, as you're, you're going through all this right now, what role does faith play in this for you? He answered, and I had a chance to share my story. I have a friend named Megan in Austin who started using this line with girls. Do you feel close to God or far from him? Friends of hers would, would talk to her about their struggles. Megan would listen, then say your line. You say, do, do you feel close to God or far from him? Then she would say, can I share with you how the Bible says we can be closer to God? She's been able to have a lot of conversations about Jesus and even lead girls to Christ using that one simple statement. Hey, one disclaimer here, though. Don't make it super cheesy. You know, don't walk up to one of your friends and just say, so, what you doing in the afterlife? That's not cool, okay? You you don't have to be a cheese ball. But but don't overcomplicate it either. Just, Just pick a line. Use it every time. Hey, in closing, I just wanted to share with you guys one one last thing I feel like the Lord has been really making clear to me the past six months or so. You know, I think we can all agree that the year 2020 has been one big hot mess. Okay, man, man, it stinks. I'm ready for it to end. But as I've been trying to reflect on this year, I feel like two things, probably more than ever before, have become crystal clear to me. And I'm sure to everyone else as well. You know, one, it's become clear that this life won't last. Life won't last. You know, there's nothing like a global pandemic and over half a million deaths to force us to come face to face with our own mortality. This life won't last. And two, 
it's become clear that this world won't work. You know, it feels like everywhere you look, all you see is hatred, injustice, and distrust. This life won't last, and this world won't work. I'm 40 years old, and more than any time in my life, it's become clear people need some good news. You know, more than we need a cure for COVID, more than we need our political system fixed, our city, our coworkers, our neighbors, and our families need people who are willing and ready to rip the roof off the building to introduce the people they love and the people they don't yet know to the one person who has the authority to meet their greatest need. Our world needs people who have a heart to care. And our world needs people who have the courage to try. Father, I pray that we would be a church who has a heart to care that compels us to to have the courage to try. I pray that we would be a a people who are ready and willing uh, to take risks. I pray that we would be willing to, to risk our reputation. We would be really willing to, to risk uh, just rejection. I pray that we would even be willing to risk uh, relationships with people uh, just for the sake of telling them the good news of what Jesus has done for us. Father, I pray this week that you would just lead us uh, to opportunities, uh, divinely just appointed opportunities to share with others uh, what Jesus has done for them. God, I pray Uh, that you would just grow our heart and love for others. And Father, I pray that you would give us courage. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church.